business leaders, listen up. It's time to eliminate bad attitudes, politics, and distrust on your business teams. It's time to change the culture of your team. That means you as the leader must change. It's time for you to have impact. Learn how from corporate consultant Dave Anderson on Impact Talk Radio. It's a learning hour of no fluff, straight talk with solutions designed to impact high-impact leaders who want to lead high-impact teams. It's time to stop reacting and start leading. Here's Dave Anderson with Impact Talk Radio. You know, I've got a decent resume of accomplishments. I've got those things, pelts on the walls, plaques, you know, things your mom would brag about at cocktail parties. I've got those things. And if I ever go back to corporate America, which I doubt will ever happen, Please don't let me go back to corporate America. But if I did, I have a resume that you know people can look at on LinkedIn and list all those great things that uh, I've been fortunate enough to accomplish with a lot of help from others. But you know what else I have? I also, along with my resume, I got my unresume. My resume, my unresume is the opposite of my resume. It's all that list of screw ups and failures. You know, I've written a lot of blogs about about my screw-ups and failures, and I call those blogs my unresume. And if, but if I were actually to write that resume out, and that unresume out, let me put it that way, I'd have to have a whole subsection on hiring mistakes. I mean, I made a whole bunch of them during my 15 years in sales leadership. For you know, a couple examples, I hired somebody just like me. I figured since I had been successful at sales, if I hired somebody who was, I felt like was a lot like me, he'd be great. In actuality, he had a real issue with work ethic. He didn't want to work very hard. I hired one one salesperson that had an unbelievable resume, lots of experience, been doing it for years. That guy, he didn't want to listen to anybody. He felt like he knew knew everything because he'd been there and done that. So I went and I hired a pilot one time, a guy who'd been a military pilot. Figured, you know, this guy served his country. Well, you know what? This guy was uncoachable, and he had serious anger issues. I mean, to the point where his face would turn red and the veins would pop out of his neck. I mean, it is scary stuff when I would coach him. I hired one person that, to this day, I really like her. I really like her personally. But you know what? She turned out to be a professional liar. If you want to read more about my unresume, you can go to AndersonLeadershipSolutions.com and just search unresume. I got a lot of stories about my screw-ups, and they go well behind, beyond hiring mistakes. And, you know, and I share those stories on my website and with every audience I speak with to let leaders know, I've been in your shoes. I know how hard it can be to lead people. I've screwed up over and over. But you know what? It was those screw-ups where I learned the most about leading. And with hiring, it was those bad hires. Looking back in hindsight, that's where I learned how to get better at finding people of high character. I'm Dave Anderson, and you're listening to Impact Talk Radio. And today we're talking about hiring people. Specifically, we're talking about how to hire people of character and avoid people who tend to cause us all the problems, the people with the character issues. You know the ones, the ones that when you think back on them, you think you're about ready to have an aneurysm, those type of people. On Impact Talk Radio, we're here to help leaders, frontline leaders, middle managers, business owners, entrepreneurs, sales managers. I want you to listen up because on this show and on every show, we're going to provide you a dose of reality. We're also going to provide you a dose of advice. That's where our special guests, our gurus, come in. 
Then we're also going to provide you a dose of impact solutions. These solutions are provided by both our guests and me working together. And then finally, we provide you with a dose of hope because, you know what, as leaders, we have to have hope. Listen to Impact Talk Radio at any time. Look, you can download them and listen to them on long plane flights or driving between cities or maybe when you're working out. And you can download more of our shows on iTunes or you can go to toginet.com, which is T-O-G-I-N-E-T.com and find more Impact Talk Radio shows there. But look, I told you a dose of reality. Here's your dose of reality. In my career of hiring people and now developing leaders for companies and large and small, many of the worst hiring mistakes I made or I've seen people make or people have told me about making were all justified by, by different statements. Some of these statements, you know, hey, he'd he done well everywhere he worked before or maybe something along the lines of, hey, she had a ton of experience in her field or, you know, hey, she had a master's degree in marketing. I mean, sometimes we get so excited about somebody's talent, we miss who they are. Who are they? See, talent isn't hard to identify. The truth is, talent's easy to identify in the interview process. I can look at a resume and, and see what experience or education someone brings to the table. I can ask technical questions that tell me if they're, they're qualified. I, I can even differentiate the most qualified people from the people who are just barely qualified. See, most organizations are pretty good at finding people who can do the job. Most leaders are pretty good at defining who the best candidates are based on their skills, experience, or potential. The problem is we get way too enamored with talent. And each and every one of my leadership sessions, the stories I hear aren't about employees who failed due to a lack of talent. The stories I hear are all about the failure because of character issues. Most leaders, you know what, they're, they're going to admit that they would have rather spent time training somebody up in skills early on in somebody's career if that person had a high character than to spend all the time dealing with highly talent, a highly talented problem child. Look, you've heard it before. A definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Yet many leaders... We use the same process for hiring talented people and get burned time and time again. We get burned because somebody lacks what? They lack integrity, teamwork, humility. All those things that separate good hires from bad ones. These people don't just hurt profits. They hurt the morale of your team. And you know what? They damage our credibility as leaders with the teams that we lead. Again and again, I work with companies and leaders who lament all their bad hires, yet they feel powerless to change those results. Listen to me. If I want to accomplish something I've never accomplished before, I've got to begin doing things I've never done before. You hear me? If I want to accomplish something I've never accomplished before, I've got to start doing things I've never done before. The lessons I learned from my hiring mistakes made me better at finding talent. As time went on, I realized hiring someone who had the skills to do the job was the easiest part of the equation. Skilled workers are everywhere. I mean, in this economy, there's always someone available who can do the job. Skills and competencies aren't hard to find or to hire. But character is a different story. As I've worked with oil and gas companies, large integrated medical systems, large regional banks, Fortune 50 companies, I see the same pattern, pattern repeated over and over again. We hire skilled people 
we hire very skilled people that we end up firing for character issues. Those character issues could be lack of work ethic, selfish behavior, poor teamwork, lying, cheating, poisonous attitudes. When I ask companies why, what the qualities are the most common reasons for terminating employment, this is what they say. Work ethic, selfish behavior, poor teamwork, lying, cheating, poisonous attitudes. Look, I can train skill. I can't train character. Character is something that is developed over time and often through you know, those challenges that we all run into. The character a person brings into the job is more important than the skills she brings. <clears throat> Teaching someone the skills to do the job is simple compared to changing someone's character. West Point, where I went to school, as some of you know, it takes four years to work on developing the character of our leaders, future Army officers. And you know what? They're real careful with the raw, raw materials that they have. But in business, in business, most leaders we don't have four years to devote to the character development of an employee. That's why it's critical to hire character right from the start and to make it a priority above hiring skill. Look, for me, for Dave Anderson, if I'm going to choose between skill and character, I'm going to choose character every time. You know, I'd, I'd want to have both. I mean, don't get me wrong. I would like to have both. But look, that's why we're going to have, after our, our first commercial break, we're going to have our guest Garrett Miller on the show. He's, a hire, he's the author of Hire on a Whim, the four qualities that make for great employees. Garrett's an expert in finding good people and training organizations to find people who have character. If you want to find out more, if you want to read Garrett's book, you can go to my website and you can find the Overwhelmed Manager's Guide uh, on the right-hand side of AndersonLeadershipSolutions.com on the right-hand side of the page. Click there and you can find a way to get higher on a whim at a special discount for our listeners. You can also download the OMG Power Pack, which has a whole list of character and values-based interview questions. That's just a free PDF format. We're going to be back here in just a few seconds with Garrett so we can dig into this whole idea of how do you hire on a whim for work ethic, humility, integrity, and maturity. We'll be right back with Garrett so we can figure out how to, how to find those people of character for your organizations. This is Impact Talk Radio, a dose of reality, a dose of advice. A dose of Impact Solutions. Dave Anderson will be right back. Join the Executive Business Seminar with author and trainer, Dr. Risa Wolf, Ph.D. Are you looking for practical business tips and techniques for dealing with difficult situations or lowering speaking anxiety? Then this show is where you need to be if you're a business owner, corporate executive, or anyone ambitious about their career growth. Dr. Risa Wolf draws from her extensive mentoring background for business leaders and executives and interviews leaders who have practical solutions. Join Dr. Risa Wolf every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for your edition of the Executive Business Seminar right here on ABRN, the All Business Radio Network. In today's business world, a helping hand or idea that doesn't come with an invoice is a treasured find. And if that happens to you, then you need to pay it forward to keep other entrepreneurs from making mistakes or getting a raw deal. 
It's called Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi. Wednesday mornings at 10, 9 a.m. Central. Josephine is going to have the guests describe their accomplishments, the lessons they've learned, both good and bad, and then sharing those pieces of knowledge as we create a movement of Paying It Forward. For more information about Josephine, her business, and background, you can go to MyMomKnowsBest.com. Josephine Girasi has always been a problem solver. She saw this need and has turned it into a movement. It's Paying It Forward with tips, tools, and advice and hard lessons learned. These pieces of knowledge can make a huge difference for you, your business, and others. So join us for Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi, Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Impact Talk Radio. It's time to stop reacting and start leading. Here's Dave Anderson. Welcome back. And look, I'm real excited here to introduce our guest. Garrett Miller is a longtime friend of mine. He's a speaker, a trainer, an author, and a business owner. And you know, after an extraordinary 18-year career in a Fortune 40 pharma company, Garrett started Cotria, which is his productivity training company that provides solutions to daily inefficiencies he experienced in the corporate grind. I think anybody who's in corporate America knows that there's inefficiencies out there in the corporate world. But you know what? We're here to talk about Garrett's first book. His first book, Hire on a Whim, is a step-by-step process for hiring the four qualities that make great employees. This book's got great reviews, too. I mean, the, the group Get Abstract rated this a superior business book. And Garrett spends time in companies in an interactive companion training seminar that enables organizations to identify and hire candidates that possess the qualities needed for success. These are character qualities is what we're talking about today. You know, he's got a second edition of this book coming out with a new bonus chapter that's due this summer, uh, the summer of 2015. But Garrett sec- also wrote a second book I want to make sure I mention, which is Hired Right Out of College, From Classes to Career. And that's really focused on helping recent college graduates or people who are about to be college graduates figure out what their best career choices are and how to go about pursuing them. Garrett, my friend, thank you very much for being here. Appreciate you, appreciate you coming and joining us today. Uh, oh, it's great to be here. It's such a great topic, and uh, I'm thankful for what you're doing for leaders. So I wish I had this when we, were, when we started out. Yeah, you, you're darn right. We wouldn't have made... I shared with some people in the opening some of my some of the mistakes I made during the, during our time in corporate world. But uh, you know, let me ask you this: What was it that made you decide to, to write the book Higher on a Whim? Yeah, uh, great question. It's it's something I I was passionate about hiring. Uh, uh, I hired uh, often off college campuses, and I think what what um, really um, drove the point home is I would have conversations with my colleagues. And they would say, I'm never going to college campuses to hire. And I'm thinking, well, that's, that's the only place I go. And I began to just chew on that. Why, why the disparity? Why some managers that would never step foot in an area and others find their best people there? And I began to think about maybe it's what the individuals were looking for. And as I sat down to evaluate um, the qualities that my best representatives, my best employees had, I began to see a pattern. And the more I chewed on that pattern, the more I tortured that pattern, the more I found that there were, it boiled down to these four qualities. And 
Then just thinking about these four qualities, I began to talk to my colleagues about it. I said, well, are these important? Are these important? Are these important? And I began to get head nods, head nods, head nods. And then people would say, yeah, those are great, but how do you find them? Yeah. Ah, there was an unmet need. Mm. So whole point behind writing your book, I mean, first of all, did you get it right from the start hiring people? <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, Dave, I couldn't understand you were talking about hiring mistakes. Never had one before. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know, you know the, the hiring mistakes for a manager are the bane of your existence. And by the way, they were the bane of my wife's existence too because she would know the day before – I was going to ride with my problem child in the day I rode with him because it was nothing but regret. She could see the forlorn look on my face. It, it was what I complained about. It's what I worried about. And it was at such a stark contrast to the reps that I enjoyed working with. It was like a holiday to go out with these. And Dave, you coined it very well, the low maintenance team. You got those low maintenance employees and you love working with them. Well, imagine if we had a whole team of them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, I remember one time with my wife, Elizabeth, and I'm tossing and turning at night and she looks over at me and she says, are you still thinking about so-and-so? I won't mention his name. And I said, yeah. And she said, well, why are you more concerned about his job than he is? I mean, those are the yeah. type of people. Oh, my goodness. They, they keep you up at night. Yep, they do. But here's the thing, Garrett. Here, here's the thing that I always get asked. And I want to hear your answer to this. Finding care, figuring out somebody's character in an interview, in an interview, you, you heard my opening. I was talking about skills are easy. Character's hard in an interview process. Why is that? It is because we've gotten to accustomed as the interviewing manager to walk down these list of skills, to look for, for, um, for, um, these bright spots of, of, Oh, I did this and I did that. And of course we believe that, Past performance is the best predictor of future performance. But how about past performance in life? Not necessarily just on a on a sales ranking or in a tax office or you know as a, a project manager. Those are important. But I want to know about their past performance in groups and as individuals and and how they took criticism. We forget that that really. And in fact, in your opening monologue, Dave, you mentioned it. In an interview, I want to meet the real Dave Anderson. Mm. And I can't do that unless I get under the prepared questions that I have and the prepared questions that you know I have. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing. I mean, the getting, down, getting down underneath and getting past the veneer that <laughs> everybody puts on when they go into an interview and really getting to know the person who's in front of you. Yep. That is, yeah, that's the key. I mean, and that, that is not something that a lot of people are skilled at doing or have ever been trained to do. And Dave, it begins with a conversation. If you can get your candidates talking and relaxed, and I'm not talking about relaxed so that you can pull one over on them or, or relaxed so that you can fool them or mm -hmm. trick them. I'm talking about relax so that you can just have a good conversation because let's face it, it I, if I don't meet the real person, A, I may pass on you and that's a bad thing, or B, I may hire you and that may be bad for both of us. So it's incumbent upon me and upon you as the interviewee 
to to let down our guard and meet the real person because I want to make sure there's a love connection here, right? I want to make sure that there's going to be a a um, a relationship that we can build successfully, and it only begins if I can meet you, and that begin and, and that is incumbent upon me as the interviewer to get you relaxed, to have a good conversation, and let's just start talking. And it's amazing when we start talking. Then the truth comes out. Then we feel relaxed. And what happens is we jump from subject to subject in a very casual way, and it's not so rigid so that the, the person right. thinks, okay, that, that answer is done. Time to start the next one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've probably seen it. I've done it. Uh, where you sit there and you have that interview guide and you, you, know, you watch somebody interview and they just bury their head in that interview guide and, they, and it's, not, it's not a conversation. It's more of an interrogation than a conversation. Exactly. And, and I'd like to you know, ask every interviewer, every um, person out there, when you meet somebody for the first time, those aren't the questions you ask. Yeah. You know? You ask, but now you got to be careful about the personal questions. But you ask much more relevant questions in terms of things that that um, that clue you in into the type of person they are. Right, right, and that's the ticket. I mean, that's the ticket right there. Well, let's talk about whim, okay? W h i m. The first. So for everybody listening out there, I've read Garrett's book multiple times. I recommend it to people when I'm, do, when I'm doing training on how to hire people a character. When I, people ask me, I tell them this is the best book I've found on, fi- on, on hiring people a character. The four traits you, you, work, you nail in your book, the first one is work ethic. So how do you figure out someone's work ethic? Yeah, work ethic. One of the things that I like to look for uh, in a um, – Applicant is somebody who's been busy with a purpose, someone whose resume is is uh, is packed, and it may look different depending on the candidate. If you're looking at a college age person, early twenties, I want to look back for four or five years and see what they've been doing. Are they naturally busy? Can they balance multiple things? Do they enjoy being busy? Um, are, are they afraid of hard work? I like to listen to the way they talk about work, and I like to see. If they see themselves as segmented, in other words, oh, that's not work that I do, but this is work that I do. I was talking to a, um, a guy who ran an automotive uh, business, and he said, Garrett, work ethic to me is the guy who sees an oil spill, and regardless if they're dressed in a three-piece suit or you know, uh, gray overalls, they grab a towel and they wipe it up because it's there, mm. and it's just who they are. Yeah. So what what would be like one question that you're going you're going to ask and for somebody around work ethic the one that you feel let let's say somebody not not a recent graduate uh, college graduate somebody's been in the workforce for a little while how do you determine the work ethic of somebody like that Yeah, I love to take it in. It's very difficult because there are some uh, jobs that do have um, standards and uh, sales numbers, those type of things. So I love to look at at people's. Um, uh, the way people uh, perform and how they perform relative to their counterparts. But if you're just talking to somebody who may not have that type of criteria, I want to ask about the last project they were on um, and what role they played and were they did they have to wait to be asked to be some to, to do something? Um, you know, you could ask. Uh, you know, did they show up to the interview early? Is that is that their mo? Um, mm. The people who don't who aren't afraid to work tend to show up 
to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah. And, and, and they're not afraid to, to be asked. What happens if they're, if they're asked to do something outside their job description? How do they respond? Yeah. I always like that. You know, I always like to ask them about maybe a, a teammate who was struggling. Somebody who worked beside them that was struggling. I want to see if they're going to, if they've got the work ethic to actually go over there and help the other person out or take over some of that person's responsibility for a period of time and just see, or do they just let that person wallow uh, in, their, in their problems? You know? Yeah, that's a great one. And, and you know, we, you talked about that work ethic. We've all seen professional athletes who don't have the natural talent, but yeah. they work harder than anybody. You know, um, Who's the guy who played uh, uh, for Denver, and uh, now he just was signed with the Eagles? Um, oh, Tebow. Uh, Tebow. He, here's a guy that most people would say is not as naturally talented, but everybody who's played or worked with him cannot stop talking about his work ethic. And that is what wins him the hearts of his, of the, of his players and his coaches. Yeah, absolutely. So let, I love that. We, what about – so. That's W. The H is for humility. Why don't, before the break, why don't you talk, talk to us yeah. about why humility? What's the, what's the importance of humility in the workplace? I, I love humility so much because humility is, I define it as the ability and the willingness to learn. Mm-hmm. So somebody, mm-hmm. somebody who's not afraid, now listen to this, who's not afraid to make a mistake and admit it. Because Dave, you and I have worked around and worked for People that made mistakes but never admitted it, and they stand in the same place they were 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. It's that person who screws up and says, hey, my bad. What do you think I did wrong? Help me do it better. It, 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 and people who are afraid to admit they're lost means that they're also afraid to ask for directions. And as a manager, I want to make sure that if my team or somebody on my team is lost, that they stop and give me a call and say, hey, Garrett, you know what? I'm kind of embarrassed, but I'm lost. I'm not quite sure where to go. I'd much rather answer that question now than three weeks from now when when the project is due and the person says, you know what? I actually didn't even know what to do. Well, holy smokers, we should have had that conversation three weeks ago. Now I'm not only disappointed, but now I'm angry. Yeah. (laughs) Disappointed and angry is not a good place for you to have, for your (laughs) boss to be. That's for sure. Uh, So... What I always say is, you know, I always think about humility as well as a coachability. If somebody's willing to be yes. coached, you know, that that is so key that to me, that's a window into their character. If if every time you, you make a correction, or you point something out and there is an excuse or they're fighting back, fighting back. Boy, that's a real window into who that person is and the problems in their character, really. This is true. Ask me about Heather after the break, because that's a great example, Dave. Yeah. Look, again, if, if you're listening out there, go to OverwhelmedManagersGuide.com, OverwhelmedManagersGuide.com, and you can find Garrett's book at a discount there, Hire on a Whim. When we come back, we're going to have Garrett, we're going to continue to dig into humility and how to find that, and then we're going to go on to integrity and maturity. And we're going to really hopefully provide you guys not just with advice, but also with some impact solutions. We'll be right back. This is Impact Talk Radio. Learn more on Dave Anderson's blog at AndersonLeadershipSolutions.com. Stay with us. Back after these. 
In today's business world, you have to be LinkedIn. LinkedIn, it's a great tool. And Carol McManus is the LinkedIn lady. Join us for the LinkedIn Lady Show every weekday afternoon at 3 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Carol is here to show you and your business how every social media site has a specific demographic, personality, and purpose that can benefit you. In each show, the LinkedIn Lady will have a variety of guests, such as business owners who will showcase their businesses and talk about how they're using social media to stay in touch with not only customers, but to attract new relationships that become customers. Other guests will be experts in social media who will speak to the use of Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Google, Plaxo, Squidoo, and of course, LinkedIn. For more on Carol and the show, check out her website, LinkedInLady.com. Join us for the LinkedIn Lady Show with your host, Carol McManus, every weekday afternoon at 3 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it's time for the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 Central on Toginet.com. Marla believes that with the right mindset, anything is possible. Join us as successful life coach Marla Tabaka inspires you and her clients to explore, discover, and live your dreams by developing what she calls the Million Dollar Mindset. Marla will inspire you to take action on your dreams and reveal secrets to success that will help you realize your own unique power. Tune into the Million Dollar Mindset for heartwarming stories with Marla Tabaka. Learn tips and tricks to building a successful business and unlock the secrets to creating a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. For more information on the Million Dollar Mindset, go to our website, MarlaTabaka.com. That's M-A-R-L-A-T-A-B-A-K-A.com. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Impact Talk Radio. No fluff. Just straight talk with impact solutions for high impact leaders. Here's Dave Anderson. Hey, I don't know if I mentioned this, but why did I call this show Impact Talk Radio? Because, look, I truly believe that if I'm not having impact while I'm here on this earth, I don't know what I'm doing here. My whole goal in life, my my overall vision for my life is to lead good people to become the great people God designed them to be. And I'm really focused on leaders. I'm really focused on you small business owners, entrepreneurs, frontline leaders, middle managers, sales managers, wherever you're leading. I'm focused on trying to help you learn from maybe some of the things I've made, ways I've made mistakes in the past. And right now I've got Garrett Miller uh, on with us here today. I want to make sure I talk about Garrett's website. You can check out Garrett's website at Cotria, C-O-T-R-I-A.com. And you can go and look at everything that Garrett does, his speaking engagements and more about the books that he writes. You can also follow Garrett on Twitter at at Cotria. Cotria, C-O-T-R-I-A, not .com. But hey, Garrett, you were just about ready to tell us a story about Heather as we were talking about uh, the whole idea of humility. Tell us about her. Yeah, so, so we've all had Heather on our team, and, and we've all had the anti-Heather on my team, that person where um, you're having a review and, and you're reviewing maybe their performance or a project, and you know after a couple compliments, you give them some, some, um, some good critical um, um, Direction and they begin to be defensive. And you named it. Uh, you mentioned it right before we went to the break, Dave. That every time you mention something, they got an excuse for it, or they're defending themselves. And you think you're thinking, "Wow, this is a lot of work." 
to try to get my point across. And then you, then you sit down with a Heather and, uh, and you begin to compliment her on some of the things she's done. And she says, I know, I know, I know, I know. But tell me, what can I do to be better? And, and it like takes your breath away because she's basically asking you to go ahead and do a deep dive and, and help her to find the areas that she is vulnerable on so that she could be more productive. And to a leader, to somebody that wants to coach, those are magic words. Mm. Um, you know, they, you know I, I, I coach soccer and, and if a kid comes off the field and says, you know, coach, I really screwed that last kick up. What, what do you think I should have done better? Oh, my word. They are an open book. And you know that the next time they go on that field, they will be better prepared as opposed to that kid who comes off and you say, hey, you know what? You didn't even look on your right side. and like, Oh, I know who was there. I saw that. Did. I've done it a million times. And you have you know, five or six excuses. And then you just say, go sit on the bench. Yeah. And that player will remain that player and that skill set for as long as they're playing soccer. Sold. All right. You sold me. <laughs> Humility is important. That, yeah. And I, hopefully everybody out there listening right now is saying, okay, I get it. I get why humility is important. It's not a topic talked about a lot in business circles, I, but it is. It's hugely important in, in, to, for a successful individual, a successful team, a successful leader. But now, what am I, how do you find it? I mean, that's, that's the key. How do you figure out whether or not you got a humble person who's sitting in front of you in the interview process? You know, uh, Dave, one of my favorite, I'll just use a, a college one, is uh, – I'll, I'll look through uh, a, um, a student's transcript, and you can do this a couple of years out of their uh, college as well, and you look for that D, right? And you say, <clears throat> listen, your, your college uh, transcript looks pretty good, but I notice there's this D in organic chemistry. Tell me about this. And you can do this with any struggle or failure they have. And then you listen. And if it's everybody's fault except for the kid or the person who is actually taking the class – then you know that there might be an issue with humility. What I want to hear is, you know, somebody who kind of sits back, they, 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 they uh, run their fingers through their hair and they kind of look at you and you go, truth, Garrett, man, that was an eight o'clock class, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And you know what? I just was not into organic chemistry and I dropped the ball and it was my fault. I should have done better. In fact, when I had a class like that two years later, I decided to approach it differently, and I got a C plus. And I'm telling you, that was good for me in that class. Great. I'm happy with that. That shows me humility. That shows me as somebody who, who could take the, the, um, the blame and then also learn from it. Mm. You know, a question, I, Garrett, a question I, for the people who are – Again, hiring people that maybe straight aren't straight out of college but have some work experience behind them, I, I love to ask them, hey, tell me about a time when you, your boss surprised you with some negative feedback. Ah, very good. Yeah. Yep. You yeah, know, that's, that's excellent. What are we looking for? When we, ask, when we ask these questions, what are we looking for about the person? They're surprised. I mean, what would turn you off? If, if you're sitting there interviewing, we're, you and I are interviewing side by side, and I ask that question, what would turn you off when a candidate started talking? You know, I, I listen, especially with humility, I listen for a sense of entitlement. Mm. You know what? They never should have done that without my permission. They never should have done that, you know. Or or people who are easily offended. That's a that's a big one. If and I tell people all the time, you could say almost anything to me and you can't offend me, right? Because I know I'm broken. I know I've made tons of mistakes and I'm gonna make more mistakes. But you know what? 
there's nobody in the room who wants to get it right more than I do, right? And maybe maybe uh, you as well, Dave, right? So yeah. so go ahead. You can poke fun at me and you can poke fun or, or, or point out my failures. That's okay. But I'm going to tell you what I learned from those failures and why I'm not going to repeat them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's the thing. We got – if we can sit there and find people who are willing – like you said, willing to learn, open to learning, and that – Again, those high maintenance people versus low maintenance. Low maintenance people want to learn. They aren't. They don't feel like, oh, you can't teach me anything. Or they would maybe never say that in an interview. But if they got the attitude, those are the people. Again, boy, it, every time you deal with them as a as a leader, it's like you're having an aneurysm when you start talking awesome. to them. It's you know they they're looking for every they they try to as opposed to facing reality, they try to adjust reality to what they want it to be. And that's yeah, just, and you know it's going to be yeah you know it's going to be a fight you yeah. you're anticipating the conversation you're thinking oh man it's like going to be pulling teeth well you know I said humility might not be something somebody would be thinking of right off the bat but we always hear about integrity that's your eye that you had up there yeah. you know and it, it makes sense uh, you know but what what do leaders do what can leaders do to find those high integrity people. Yeah, the integrity is such a huge issue because every corporate, um, every corporate standards have integrity as their core value. But just mm-hmm. because I agree to integrity doesn't mean that's who I am. So you want to make sure that that person is somebody who, who values um, integrity as much as you do. And the key to this, Dave, and we can chat about it right after you know, we cover the four whim, is that all four of these qualities – are qualities that have been developed early in life. And integrity is one of those. You learned it from your mother and your father. You learned it from life. You learned it from school. You learned it from West Point, the Boy Scouts. You learned it because you knew that there was a way to do things correctly, and you were committed to that. And you were committed to a life of that. And you did not compartmentalize integrity. Integrity is not something you only expressed on the job or you only expressed in your family, it's who you are. It defined you. And you can look for the, that quality by asking people, you know, about a project that they were, uh, you know, a team project. And listen to the credit they gave to other folks on the team. Mm-hmm. And you've, you've, seen those great, um, you've seen those great athletes where they clearly they dominated the game. And the sports reporter asked them, well, tell me about it. And the first thing you do is they start talking about their teammates. Yeah. It's interesting how that integrity and humility can tie in right there, doesn't it? Yes. Yes. And there's a, there is overlap in all four of these. And the more you get to know them, you'll see that, that, that they do overlap. And that's why we have to hire all four and never just three or just two. So – Let's talk. Let's talk about the this integ- again. When you're going, when you're going in, there actual nuts and bolts here. You know, we talked. We told about said we were going to give some advice, but we're also going to give some people some solutions here, some impact solutions. What What would be some questions that you you would dig into to get to get to the integrity aspect in, in an interview? Yeah. So you can. Um, you know what I love, and you said it. Uh, already about humility is that we could talk about that grade or that project that they, um, that they uh, failed on or got a poor report on and their ability to come clean on what happened. And people think, Oh, I don't want to bring anything negative into an interview. No, I want to see your failures and also see you learn from them. So mm-hmm. we can talk about, we can talk about when somebody, 
was uh, was questioning them on an integrity issue and how they responded to that, um, and uh, and whether they whether they felt that was that was uh, it was reasonable for them to um, have that question uh, or be questioned about that. Um, integrity also uh, it also means when you know have you ever been accused of something and how did you respond to that? So there may be some there may be some role that listen you know what I did screw up. It was an integrity issue. I was not aware of that principle. I should have been, but here's how I responded. And you know yeah. what? I had to take ownership for that. You know, a great an integrity question I, I like to ask lots of times is, again, have you ever seen somebody else in, in your organization? On, you've been on a team where somebody – you had a question about their integrity or you saw something that would make you question their integrity. And the question yeah. is – and then I want what I want to hear at that point. What did they do about it? Did they do anything, or did they just sit back and let it happen, or you know, watch out for themselves and not pay attention anymore? Yeah, yeah, that's an that's an excellent. No, I turned a blind eye. I didn't want to stir up the mud. Hmm. Yeah, bingo, yeah. bingo. Red flag right there. Warning, Will Robinson. Warning. I mean, that's that's bad news if you're going to bring that person on your team. So, what about why maturity then? M is maturity. M is maturity. Yeah, maturity is uh, is begins to um, resemble that emotional intelligence. Maturity um, is that ability for a person to to react and act with the correct emotions when there are events that are occurring. When the proverbial hits the fan. You have some people who panic. You have some people who curl up in a ball and stick their thumb in their mouth and get in that fetal position. And then you have other people say, hold on, this is not a problem. You have the, you know, the, um, the uh, uh, who is the pilot who landed the, the plane, you know, on the, uh, on the Hudson, you know. He, you know, he didn't panic. Yeah. He knew what to do, and he, he took control. And that is, the, that is the great thing, is that people you can count on because there's an emotional fortitude there. Yeah. Emotional fortitude. Ooh, I like that. That's a great. That's a great term. I might turn that into a blog. There you uh, go. And you know what? <laughs> what is and, emotional and fortitude? And one of the quick one of the quick um, questions I bring out to bring out maturity is ask people about one of the more difficult events that, that have occurred in their life that helped make them the person they are today. And then usually yeah. people will say, "Well, can it be personal or business?" And I say, "Whatever it is, whatever helped make you the person is today." And it's amazing what comes out, Dave. They, some are, very, are tragic stories. And by the way, tragic is relative. And then I love to hear people say, you know what, Dave, Garrett? I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy, but it made me a better person. And that's what I want to yeah. hear. Yeah. Well, so I, we got about we got less than two minutes here. What about the results of when in companies you've worked with? What, what have you seen yeah. there? Yeah, WIM has been a lot of fun. It's been great. Uh, what what companies have have found is in uh, almost to a person is that Garrett. The more we hire WIM, the more it becomes part of our culture because our hiring managers, because they're hiring it, understand that they have to model it. So what a beautiful thing is! Not only are you bringing WIM into your company, but you have managers who now understand that they got to model it. And and now it becomes the, the mm. language, and that's what the new chapter is about: is how to keep this win culture growing, so that you just don't hire it once. It's not an event, but it becomes a cultural change. 
Man, I love the way you brought it back to culture. That is a big thing for me. Anybody who's been listening to this show or reading anything that I've written or anything that I've done, I talk a lot about the set of core values for for your team and how, and build, keeping that alive. Garrett, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for bringing your passion to hiring on a whim uh, to everybody listening here today. I know you've got a lot more to say. We're going to bring you back in future shows, but uh, thank you again, my friend, and we'll be right back with uh, uh, to finish up the show on hiring for character. Thanks, Dan. This is Impact Talk Radio. More than theory, doable impact solutions. Stay with us. More from Dave Anderson when we come back. Girlfriended is on Tugginet. Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. With your hosts, Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan. This show is your chance to share, learn, laugh, and connect with other women. The girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Lisa had recently had her mother pass away from cancer, and my mom um, was murdered. A man just walking into a room and started a 23-second shooting spree. I think one of the things we both realized going through those tragedies is that you can be extremely okay and be extremely sad. Check out girlfriended.com. And then be a part of Girlfriended, the radio show, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. You know, your boyfriend or, or your husband or whatever, they don't totally understand that emotional side to a woman like another woman does. And I think that's so important just to have somebody that you go, she gets me. Check out the website, girlfriended.com. Don't miss Girlfriended with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Impact Talk Radio. It's time to stop reacting and start leading. Here's Dave Dave Anderson. Hey, welcome back here. We just finished up with Garrett Miller, the author of Hire on a Whim. Again, if you want to look up more about Garrett, go to his website, cotria.com. That's C-O-T-R-I-A. Dot com And we've been talking about how do you hire for character? You know, let me tell you, Garrett and I were throwing out some questions that we, that we would use. But let me share with you some questions I've used in the past, but I don't use, it, use them anymore. You know, here's one. What's your definition of teamwork? Or maybe something along these lines. What's your biggest weakness? Or, hey, describe your leadership style or your sales style. I mean, these are old interview questions, you know, and they rarely improve an interviewer's chance of finding the best candidates. Some interviewers, you know what, just like me, haven't changed their interview questions for years or they're using questions that they were asked when they were interviewed years ago. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you it's time for a change in how we interview people. See, this is the information age. In today's online world, the number of professional interviewees has grown exponentially. Look, in the past, a few driven people may have headed to Barnes & Noble and read a book on how to interview. But let's face it, now anyone can jump online 30 minutes prior to an interview with you and find out what to say and what not to say in an interview. I went online right before we recorded the show, and I I Googled the question, how how to interview for a job. 
you know what? There are 561 million posts on how to interview for a job. If people like videos, there's 45 million videos on how to interview for a job. Look, unless interviewers improve their game, the advantage shifts to the candidates. Just listen to those numbers. You can Google anything. You can Google and find all the, all the questions and all the answers you should be giving in an interview. So at the end of the interview day, an interviewer can be looking at a pool of candidates and they all provided similar answers and are truly undifferentiated because they all got, them, got those answers online. Interviewers have to change their questions and adapt. See, think about it. What's the purpose of a good interview question? The old, for me, the ultimate goal of interviewing is to find the best candidate. That means, why would I ask a question that doesn't help me identify the best people in the midst of the rest? Again, why would I ask a question that doesn't help me identify the best in the midst of the rest? Every question I ask in an interview, it should lead me to the best candidate. If the question does not help me differentiate one person from another, in my opinion, it's a wasted question. It's a wasted question. Look, here's some examples. I've used a lot of questions that I now believe are weak questions. So I'm not pointing fingers or whatever because I've been there. I've done that. But these questions, they're layups for anybody who did, an online, did any online research. Plus, they don't do much to help me differentiate one candidate from another. Here's a few of them. Tell me about your strengths. Tell me about your weaknesses. Do you consider yourself coachable? What, what are people going to say? Especially, do you consider yourself coachable? No, I hate to be coached. Nobody can coach me. No, they're going to say exactly what you, you think they're going to say in that situation. What would you do if an angry customer called you? I'd yell right back at them. I'd hang up on them. They're idiots. No, they're going to tell you exactly what you want to hear. What would you do if you thought your teammate was cutting corners? Oh, I just let it go. I wouldn't worry about it. You know, cutting corners is something everybody does. It's no big deal. No, they would never say that. Not if they not if they're smart enough to do a little research. Not if they're smart enough to have some some awareness of what you're looking for. If you were put in charge of a team, what would you do in the first week? See, these questions usually lead to a bunch of good answers, but they're so common and They're philosophical. Philosophical questions don't help me differentiate one person from another. All philosophical questions do is help me determine whether or not this person's done any research, has read a book on leadership, or or read a book on, on customer service. It never tells me anything truly about that person. I gotta ask my myself a question. If which candidate has a better set of self identified strengths? If I ask that question about tell me about your strengths, how am I really going to know which one is best, has the best set of self-identified strengths? Are they differentiated from that? Which candidate has the best philosophy on handling an angry customer? I don't know. Maybe their, their ideas match up better with mine, but does that mean they've actually ever done that before? See, if the answer to these two questions are unclear, if I can't clearly determine who's the best, I should try something new when I interview. See, what I want to know is behaviors instead of philosophies. Who cares if somebody can espouse the right thing to do in a given situation if they've never done the right thing? That's the key. What have they done? How have they behaved in the past? I don't want to know philosophies. I don't want to know if they know the right answers. I want to get to know them. 
That's the key. I want to know how they've, how they've operated in the past. Most candidates know the answer an interviewer wants and when they, when they hear that philosophical questions. The questions need, I ask need to help me know how a person acts, not just whether they know the philosophy. So if I ask a question like, tell me about a time you had an, ups, uh, you had an upset customer call you. See, that's different than asking what would you do if you had an angry customer. Tell me about a time you had an upset customer call you. This question leaves it, leaves it open for them to interpret, you know, what upset is. Maybe they're, as Garrett said, maybe they're just real sensitive. They have a real low threshold for what upset is. If they can't think of a time when they had an upset customer or they, all they do is they talk about how wrong that customer is, boy, you got a red flag there. Or maybe this question, tell me a time you suspected someone at work from, was cutting corners. Now, again, what's the question? The question is, do they take action or do they stay silent? Don't ask them philosophy about what they would do if they saw somebody cutting corners. Ask them what they did do. How about this? Tell me about a time when you were part of a project team that had to solve a difficult problem. Again, this goes with what Garrett asked. You know, are they specific about their role and what actions they took? See, candidates with initiative will offer that, that information because it's who they are and it's how they think. If I, notice, I didn't ask afterwards, and what did you do about it? What was your role in this? See, if I have to wait for them, uh, wait and get them to offer what they did, if I have to get them to say, if I have to ask them, what did you do about it? Guess what I'm going to be dealing with when they, when they come to work for me? I'm likely, when there's a problem out there, I'm likely going to have to go up to their desk and say, hey, what are you going to do about it? Oh, well, I guess I could do this. Well, guess what? That's a high-maintenance person. That is high-maintenance. I don't want to be sitting there and always having to get them and talk and tell them, go take the initiative. I want them to take the initiative themselves. So why would I, why would I tell them exactly what I want to hear by prompting them by saying, hey, what did you do about it? If, they, if I prompt them, they're going to tell me exactly what I want to hear. Look, I want to know how somebody has behaved in the past, not how they think I want them to behave in the future. That's the key. The bottom line here is if I want the best candidate to shine through, I've got to ask questions that help me identify who they are. The old questions and the philosophical questions don't do enough to help me decide who's the best. I've got to be able to identify the best in the midst of the rest. Good questions, knowing that we're at a disadvantage. That's what you, that's what you got to know and recognize right now. Look, Garrett's book, Hire on a Whim, great book. Again, go to overwhelmmanagersguide.com and find it there. Get a discount on it. Read that book. It's a great resource. You can also go to overwhelmmanagersguide.com and you can find the, over, the OMG Power Pack. And that, in that power pack, you're going to find a list of character-based and value-based questions that you, that you can uh, download, and it's free. It's, it's, it's a free PDF. But here's your dose of hope. There are people who have great skills and high character available, whatever job you want to fill. They're out there. Don't despair. Some people I hear, they say, you know what, there's, there's just no good candidates out there. But if you find someone of high character, but their skills are lacking, you can train the skills. 
You can train the skills. As Garrett and I were talking, we were talking about how a team full of high-character people and what that would be like would be that low-maintenance team. A team of high-character people is always going to dominate a team of talented problem children. You hear that? A team of high-character people will always dominate a team of talented problem children. And, you know, deep down inside, we all know that and believe that. Again, Garrett's book, Hire on a Whim, at the end of each chapter, there's a list of questions that you can go through to figure out about work ethic, humility, integrity, and maturity. Again, find more questions. You can find the interview guide in the OMG Power Pack on my website as well. But the key is hiring for character. We can hire for skills all day long. Ladies and gentlemen, we've done that. We've been there and done that. How are the results so far? How are you sleeping at night because you got that one person or unfortunately maybe some of you have more than one person. That's that high maintenance person that's creating, giving you a high maintenance team. That's what we're here to do. We're here to help you, the leader, the frontline leader, the middle manager, the sales manager, sleep well at night because you've got the right people on your team. Or as Jim Collins says, the right people on the bus. Finding the right people is more about character than skills. I think you've all got it. I think we all know how to find the right skills. It's the character aspect that we need that we need more of. It's the people that we need to know have the work ethic, the humility, the integrity, the maturity. Look, C.S. Lewis said, courage is one of the isn't just one of the virtues, it's the form of every virtue at its testing point. Have the courage to look for, break the cycle of of hiring people with, for just skills and find the people of high character. Look forward to having you come back to Impact Talk Radio. Again, find us on iTunes. Find us at toginet.com. You can also find us at alslead.com and download all our shows from there. Until next time, stop reacting and start leading. 